0: Welcome to the Word of Christ, sermons from Pastor Sean Denzer, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Great Bend, North Dakota, and Peace Lutheran Church in Barney, North Dakota. The epistle is from Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica, the fourth chapter. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to live and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives His Holy Spirit to you. This is the word of the Lord, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jacob wrestles literally with God. The Canaanite woman wrestles figuratively with Jesus. And our society wishes that it could wrestle free Of St. Paul in today's epistle where he says this is the will of God your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality that each of you know how to control your own body to keep his own vessel in holiness and honor that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things for God has not called us for impurity But in holiness. As always, the easy way to wrestle free is to blame the messenger, this Paul. He's insensitive, he's strict, he's old fashioned, he's judging. Who is he to tell us how to live? We just as well disregard him. Best way to avoid a bully, right, is to walk away. Well, but that is why verse eight says. Of today's text cannot be left out because it says, Whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. We struggle also with Jesus' words today. He says, I am not sent to you, O Canaanite woman. And to our ears, it sounds like he even adds a bit of a racial slur when he adds, It is not right to take the children's bread, Israel's Messiah, and throw it to the dogs, Gentiles like you. It's actually even a lot stronger than that if you know the background. The Canaanites, the people who came from. Tyre and Sidon, that region north of Jerusalem on the coast of the Mediterranean, these people should not even exist. God commanded Joshua and the generals of Israel to conquer the promised land, lock, stock, and barrel. None were to be left alive. Every Canaanite man, woman, and child were to be eradicated. Yes, God ordered a genocide. Would you follow through? I suspect not. We have a way in our modern wisdom of thinking ourselves wiser than everyone who ever came before us. And no surprise, that includes God. We would be more charitable than God would We would be less barbaric than he is. We have long preferred the New Testament to the Old because we thought in our cursory reading that it was the nicer Testament. Well, today's gospel certainly calls that into question, doesn't it? Because here is Jesus, the nice one, right? Telling this woman, no. And it's the twelve disciples behind Him who utter our opinion, don't they? Jesus, just give her something. They want Jesus to help her quickly, maybe not out of compassion, but at least to keep her quiet. This is bad PR in the making. And Jesus says no to them also. And we object to this. We don't want to follow through on Jesus' words. Well, Old Testament Israel didn't either because they did not, in fact, slay the Canaanite peoples as God commanded. There was recent DNA evidence with all of these DNA tests that confirms this fact. Canaanite blood still exists down to this day. We might think that's good. But if you knew something of the Canaanites, in the time of Israel, you might not be so quick to spare them, given the same chance. These are people who sacrifice their own children to their gods. They cut their bodies gruesomely. Slavery, of course, was a common thing among them, except without any of the limitations or compassion, that God had commanded His people, Israel, to show to their servants. Slavery, by the way, which did not last a lifetime or into future generations, but that every 50 years was utterly reset. And immorality. Yes, the Canaanites were known for immorality of the very same sort that St. Paul forbids in the epistle. It was not only practiced among them, it was a matter of worship for them. Marriage and family were a joke to them. Life among the Canaanites was cheap. And God didn't want His, Israel, falling for any of that. He did not want Canaanite foolishness destroying the wisdom of a godly life. He did not want Israelite men and women carried off through bad friends and unequal marriages, which he knew would water down not their race, but their faith. And all of these are the very things which happened. When Israel disobeyed God's command, let the Canaanites remain and indeed became utterly watered down and carried away with their pagan nonsense. Now, knowing this background, knowing the Canaanite godlessness might help us gain a bit of perspective on why God would command in the Old Testament the destruction of such a people. It's for the sake of protecting His own people from whom the offspring, the seed, the promised Jesus Christ was to come. But listen again, though. Because if God comes against the likes of Canaan, which worshipped immorality, which despised marriage... Which considered life a cheap commodity, even to the point of mothers sacrificing their babies in order to advance their own happiness. Well, then, maybe the reason we object to God's Old Testament judgments isn't really that times have changed, but is that we realize God's wrath falls just as easily on our advanced. Society, as it did on those ancient wicked peoples. Lord, have mercy. The Roman Gentiles that Paul wrote to of the first century were known for the very same sorts of immoral practices as those ancient Canaanites, and yes, as we. 21st century civilized Americans are also known for doing. And so St. Paul writes to the Christians there in Thessalonica, continue to walk properly and please God more and more as you are already doing. And yet Paul writes it sternly. It's as if he knew that many were not. God's will has not changed since the days of the Canaanites, nor since the day of Paul. God's will is that husband and wife be so fully joined to one another that no one else come between them. His will is that our bodies and our marriage beds be kept pure, not just during, but also before marriage. That we learn to have self-control and not run around like brutish beasts and animals. Even if that is what our mad world insists that we are and that, accordingly, we should act like beasts. Well, God created you and you are better than that. And as Hebrews 13 says, Let the marriage bed be kept pure and held in honor among all. That is not just among the people who happen to be married, but among all people, married or not. It's a public matter. It's not a private thing what two people are doing with their bodies. And the public ceremony of marriage makes that absolutely clear. Barring that, the children that inevitably come will make it absolutely clear. And that is why Paul adds, let no one transgress or wrong his brother in this matter. Yes, it is a destructive influence to fellow Christians, whether they are married or unmarried, when someone, whether they're young or old, does not possess his or her vessel in honor and holiness. Now, parents, siblings, and even Sad to say, pastors raised in our Canaanite society may not have the fortitude and the gumption to follow through and expect what is right, what God has told us. But Paul assures us in today's epistle that the Lord does have that fortitude. Paul says that the Lord is an avenger in all of these things. Now, those who disregard this solemn warning are not being noble. They're not overcoming centuries of religious hangup. They're only giving in to millennia of unabated paganism. They are not standing up to a bully pastor or a bully apostle named Paul. They're just following for the very same thing that Adam and Eve did in last Sunday's reading from Genesis 3. We'll have to read it at home. They're disregarding and they are rejecting not man, but God. And not any God, but the God who gives His Holy Spirit, the God who gives faith. That is a potent phrase. The Lord gave each of you the Holy Spirit in your baptism. And by His Word, He continues to impart His Holy Spirit to convict of sin and to convict of the righteousness of Christ in your place and that the judgment in this world ought to fall on the devil and not on you. But when you resist His work, if you tell the Holy Spirit to be quiet, you are saying, no, to salvation you are driving out God and you are putting yourself in great danger you are searing your conscience against God's word that's the way the Bible puts it searing it so that nothing can get into it anymore no flavor no juice nothing so that God's word will no longer be able to accuse you anymore But when you do that, it only leads to one place. It leads to searing your heart just as much against the forgiveness of those sins that you are refusing to give up. Repent and believe the gospel. Repentance and faith wrestle. That's what today's readings are all about. Repentance and faith wrestles against our own sinful nature. And in doing so, it wrestles also with God. But it is not wrestling with Him to overcome Him and to reject Him out of anger and self-righteousness, but it is to overcome His wrath by arriving at His mercy. It is like the humble wrestling of this Canaanite woman sticking to Christ with a singular prayer and confession Lord, have mercy on me, help me, save me, sanctify me. And then finally, to catch the Lord in His own words that He has laid out for us. and We are to catch Him in the words of Psalm 51 that says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. The woman caught Jesus in a little word, dog. Okay, I will be a dog then, one who eats from the master's table. And we catch God in Jesus Himself. We catch Him in the incredible fact that God has in Christ reconciled the world prideful Jews and wicked Gentiles alike, the whole world to Himself. And therefore, in that, He is not counting our trespasses against us. If Christ has been offered up as the sacrifice for the world's sin, then my sins, which are many, must be included in that also. So I will come before Him and confess. I will amend my life. And I will live from the confidence of His own promise that our sins are forgiven and that I am declared right in His own righteousness. This is what you and every Christian must wrestle to find. Not to wrestle away from God's Word, but to wrestle His wrath until we come to His mercy in Jesus Christ alone. And thus, when St. Paul again reminds us with such a solemn warning that we must not disregard God's commandments as if they were man's opinions, Paul asks and urges us in the Lord Jesus as brothers. Brothers called by God in holiness. He addresses you and me not as enemies, but as those who are baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Spirit. And he reminds us of what baptism indicates, that the old Adam in us by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die, and that the new man daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity. And this is what the Holy Spirit does in each of us. He sanctifies us. He puts us to death in repentance. And He raises us alive in faith continuously. There's a constant struggle against our flesh, subduing our sinful desires, drowning our old nature that doesn't want to have anything to do with God's Word. And that is not going to happen apart from the Holy Spirit's work. And it can't be successful at all except by faith that receives God's promises, His Word. I have been crucified with Christ. That is the implication of baptism that unites us to His death. Therefore, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me, the new man raised from death. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself up for me. Race, pedigree, niceness, and pride will get you nothing. You will gain nothing through your own advanced way. But, hear what all of our readings today tell us. That those who come with nothing Nevertheless, trusting in this Jesus, they gain everything from Him. Nothing but Christ is everything. For He is the one who was destroyed in the place of the Canaanite woman and even you. That what was unholy might nevertheless be sanctified by His blood. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Word of Christ. You can find more sermons at verbacristi.blogspot.com. And if you have need to contact Pastor Denzer, you can email him at pastor at denzer.org. That's P a s t o r at d a e n z e r dot o r g let the word of christ dwell richly in you amen